Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody who hears this message will get something out of it that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use, God, what you share here today and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Loved ones, let's say our Bible confession together. It's simply entitled, This is My Bible. Ready? Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are talking about the re-engage portion of your health and healing. This first image, of course, is our initial image. You've seen it before, the, the image number one. It is, what is the goal of re-engage? Re-engage life, regardless of the fear or failure, and re-engage it without condemnation, knowing that if you fall in the process, your risen king has empowered you to get up. To get up. Loved ones, not a very big pre-message flashback today because I want to really get to the meat and potatoes of today's message. Besides, you know all the details. You know that we're focused on the account of Jesus reviving the daughter of Jairus. You know that. You know he did it, said Talitha Kume, girl got up, and he kicked all the wrong people out. You also know that we're saying that everybody in your life can have one or two labels. They can be the right people or they can be the wrong people. Now, the right people help propel you towards a better life. The wrong people, well, they kind of are stumbling blocks to get from, from you getting to that better life. We've contended that what we really want to do is we want to keep the right people and get rid of or at minimum put some relational distance between me and, not me, not me. You, you, hold on. Yes, babe. No, just say. There's a delay in the audio. Like when I talk, it's like, like, a, like a Japanese karate movie. Okay. That's fine. No, I appreciate that. I always tell if like if, I, if, if I'm pointing out something and I say Mark and it reads Matthew, don't let me keep going. Anybody is like, Pastor, listen. Can you turn back? And it's important to me because people hear it. And, and, you know, even they don't even know me from Adam. They'd be like, I ain't listening to this guy. This guy can't even point out the right. Or, or people that aren't able to be here, I want them to get the right thing. So please 
stop me and my, my wife will stop me if like a piece of my hair hang down. And that's whatever makes her happy. Amen. Haven't been married for over 30 years for nothing. I guess it right, don't I? Mm-hmm. You can tell everybody. You can tell everybody. But as far as the, de- the, the delay, you, you all aren't experiencing any delay. You're hearing it real time. Okay. As far as what we want to do, you know, get the right people to stay or keep them. And the wrong people, let's get rid of them. But we understand getting rid of them may be touchy. But at a minimum, let's get some relational distance so that their influence is is minimized. Next image, please. Let's go ahead and get in. Okay. You know, what we're going to talk about today is one of our topics that I told you was going to be upcoming. Both of those topics are seven relational scenarios. The other one is divorce. We're going to tackle the seven relational scenarios today. Why tackle these topics, though? Why even bring up these scenarios and why even bring up divorce? Because we want everybody to realize that when you're talking about relationships, everything is not necessarily cut and dry. There are multiple facets of things that you have to think through before you make a final decision about somebody. Regardless of the decision that you make, though, we want you to know all the criteria that we've talked about and other criteria like that you can get out of the Bible. That remains valid. You put the right criteria in there, it will give you an accurate response. You can bank on that. The question becomes, when you have somebody whose coin lands up and says, the wrong people, what do you do? What's your next move? We can talk all day about just get rid of them. But really, practically speaking, what do you do? There are some things that you have to weigh. There are some things that you have to sift through. That's the point that we're looking to bring out with these scenarios. In these scenarios, what what are we going to do? The book of Revelation, chapters 2 and chapters chapters 2 and 3, have seven letters to seven churches. A letter for each church, to say specifically. One letter for each. One letter. Seven churches, they all get a letter. Let's put it that way. But Jesus gives this information to John, and it is John's job to make sure he dispenses the letters. I have a few caveats, though, before I get into them. My first caveat is this. When I read this and I began to prepare, what is it, God, that you want me to say to everyone I really started getting too much into my Benjamin bag. And what I mean by that is the letters appear a certain way in the book of Revelation, but I started to see if there was a better way to reorganize it to make it 
more structured. For example, I could put all the positive letters first and then build up to the not so positive ones or vice versa. Something that could maybe get person that's hearing it to actually have a flow to it. God was like, what are you doing? You're making this way, way too difficult. So I scratched that. We're going to take them in the order that they come. And it is my belief that whatever God has for you, you will get. However it comes out. What's the second caveat? We're going to be looking at these letters relationally. So through the lens of relationship, I urge you, I always urge you for full context of exactly what the author is saying, we want you to what? Open your Bible, pull it up on your tablet, pull it up on your phone, and read scripture for yourself. We are discussing these letters to get certain points to you. Let's dive in. Family, this is the first letter. It's Jesus' letter to the church of Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2, we're showing you verses 1 through 5. This is, this is not the whole letter, but just the excerpt that's pertinent to us or that would get us to what we want to make mention of. Here we go. Write this to Ephesus, to the angel of the church, the one with seven stars in his right fist grip, striding through the golden seven light circle, speaks. I see what you've done, your hard work. Hard work, your refusal to quit. I know you, I know you can't stomach evil, that you weed out apostolic yeah, apostolic pretenders. I know your persistence, your courage in my cause that you never wear out. But, everybody say but. but. But you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? A Lucifer fall. Turn back. Recover your dear early love. No time to waste. For I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. Relationally speaking, family, I want you to notice something. There is a lot of good about these people. A lot of good. I mean, look at it. They hardworking people. They refuse to quit. They can't stomach evil. They weed out pretenders. They're pretenders. They are persistent. They have courage in godly causes. They never were out. There's no quit in these folks. In your circles, you have people like that. Where, remember, I said, when you throw up all the criteria, you can come up with a whole bunch of good. And so these people have a lot of good. But there's something 
off. Sometimes you can have a relationship where at one point in time things were clicking, but something's off. Oh, there's still a lot of good to them, but there's just something. You can't put your finger on it, but there's just something off. It's, it's like you want to grab them and say, what's going on with you? What's, what's going on with you anyway? It's almost as if they've, they've lost their affection for being in the circle. They're not bad people. There's a lot of good, but even for them, they are not even aware. They don't have any idea that they've fallen away. What you want is you want for them to turn back. You want them to somehow recover that love that you used to have, that friendship that you used to have, that bond that you used to have. But quite frankly, they don't really realize how far they've fallen. It's not even registering in their brain that they've walked away from the circle. In this case, they've walked away from the first love. I really like, would like to highlight, want to point out that it says, turn back, recover your dear early love. I want to point that out because we consistently say, you don't just automatically throw people away. This brings in the concept that you really have the opportunity or the option, or it's not out of the question, for you to extend to somebody, I understand that maybe something's not right, but do you want to get it right? Do we want to get it right? Do we want to mend it? Do we want to fix it? You might not realize it, but you somehow we've fallen away. We've, we've grown apart. I caution you, though, that you don't walk past everything that's being said there. Turn back. Recover your dear early love. Hey, there's no time to waste. There's no time to waste. You ain't got forever. It, said, said differently, notice here that what's being extended is a chance. A chance to correct what's going wrong. A chance to adjust and get it right. It's a chance. It's not a chance for you to stay in the circle and still keep acting the way you're acting. It's not a chance for you to stay in the circle and keep talking the way you're talking. It's not a chance to stay in the circle and keep doing things like you do. 
treat me like you keep treating me. That's, that's not the chance I'm offering. The chance I'm offering is that you can turn back and recover. Get yourself back in the right position relationally, because if you don't, I got to remove you from the circle. If you cannot make the adjustment, I got to take you out of the circle. There is a plea for correction, which opens us up to that is part of your potential approach. But notice this. We have Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 5 in the message. Let's look at this quickly in another version. Give me my next image. I only give you Revelation 2, verse 4 in the Amplified Classic. That's the only difference. Verse 4 in the message reads, but you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? The Amplified Classic says, but I have this one charge to make against you. Just one. When I look at all the, the results from you and the criteria, everything is great. But I have one thing. Never think that just one thing isn't enough to check your, your person in your relationship. Sometimes people say, well, it's just one thing, but it depends on the one thing. It's not just, put it this way, all right and all wrong aren't equally weighted. <laughs> what's, what's your wrong thing? But I have one charge against you. You have left, not walked away, but left or abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Let me share this with you. During my studies, I came across a collection of commentaries or people looking at this. And there was something that was so, I guess, enlightening to me that I said, I'm going to share it with you. So this isn't mine. Of course, I, I'm going to take it and put a little salt and pepper on it. But the, the basic context of what I'm going to share with you isn't mine. It was so rich, though. I like, huh, I never thought of it like that. I'm going to share it with you. Notice this. If we look... At the Message Bible, it says they walked away. The Amplified Classic says they left, they abandoned, they deserted, right? The author said, very interesting choice of words here. Notice that the word choice is, and pointing you to the Amplified Classic, that they left they didn't lose. It's not that they lost their first love, but they left. The author went on to say, there is a very big difference between leaving something and losing something. 
If you lose something, it's accidental. If you lose something, you don't know where it is. If you lose something, you don't know how to go back and get it even if you wanted to. But when you leave, that's by choice. When you leave, it's intentional. When you leave, you actually know where to go back and get it if you want to. Having digested that, I said, that is good. Because when you left, that was of your own free will. And if you elect to return, that is of your own free will. Therefore, my friend, my relational buddy, when you make your choice, you in effect make two choices. One of the choices is yours. It's your own, your own body, what you're going to do it's the decision about you. The other choice is my conditional choice based on what you do. You make it. If you elect to return, then by default, my choice defaults to you stay in the circle. You've made two choices with your one. But if you elect not to return, by default, you have made my choice, and that is to remove you from the circle. You make two choices with your one election. Of course, the question comes back, well, you said there is no time to waste. You said they ain't got all day. So, how much time do you give them? I don't know the answer to that. Only you can answer that. But I will tell you this. It says there is no time to waste for I am well on my way to removing you from the circle. You have to eventually get to the point to where if you are not seeing or they are not displaying the necessary qualities and the character and the moral and the morals and the manners to stay in the circle, at some point in time, you must get the courage to remove them from the circle. Said differently, at some point in time, you got to move on. At some point in time, you have to move forward. To remain anchored to the wrong people in hopes that someday they will come around is not an eternal state. At some point, you got to make the call. When do you make that call? It depends because this, this relationship, there's a lot of good. So what's the wrong? What's that one thing? Is the one thing 
minute. And in it being minute, are you just real talk? Are you just tripping? Are you just wanting perfection? Or is it something big? That's like, no, nah, you got to change that. You can't stay with that. If that's how you're going to do, if that's how you're going to be, if that's how you're going to treat me, that's how you're going to act, mm-mm, Joker, you can't stay with that. That's letter one. Letter two. This is the letter to Smyrna. Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 in the Message Bible. Write this to Smyrna, the angel of the church, the beginning and ending, the first and the final one, the once dead and then come alive speaks. I see your pain and poverty, constant pain, dire poverty, but I also see your wealth. And I hear the lie in the claims of those who pretend to be good Jews who in fact belong to Satan's crowd. Fear nothing in those things you're about to suffer, but stay on guard. Fear nothing. The devil is about to throw you in jail for a time of testing, 10 days. It won't last forever. Don't quit, even if it costs you your life. Stay there believing. I have a life crown sized and ready for you. These people here are similar to what some people can be in your circle. There can be people in your circle that they always seem like they're going through something. They always appear to be facing some kind of challenge. And get this, not of their own making just because of life. They always appear just to be on that odd side of the situation. It's like they walk through the earth with bullseye tattooed on them. It's, it's amazing. Every time you turn around, it seems like they are underwater. They are under the bus. On the outside, everything looks as if they always seem to be going through some kind of pain. Even, even impoverished, just not having enough on the outside. But there is a wealth inside of them. And if you look deep enough, the wealth that you see is a strong faith. They don't quit on God, no matter what it costs. They don't throw the towel in on God. They stay there believing. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter the circumstance. They are steadfast believers in God. As Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, they might be troubled, but they're not troubled on the inside. They might be in a situation that seems hopeless, but they're not hopeless on the inside. Persecuted, but on the inside, not destroyed. Cast down, but on the inside, they know they're not forsaken. Even though on the outside, all that you see is pain and poverty in the completeness of whatever poverty can mean. But these kind of people, 
they are not the kind of people that when you look at them or people see you with them, they're not part of the in crowd. They're not wearing the most trendy things. They're not, they're not the ones running the business. They're not the ones that are, you know, fashionable and hip. Everybody wants to be around them. They're kind of, they're kind of odd. As a matter of fact, they're kind of the people that if you ain't know them, you might look at them like, I don't know if I want to be bothered with them. <laughs> they just look as if on the outside, they're not necessarily, God, how to say that? They're not necessarily the kind of people that you would want to invest a lot of time in. On the outside, but on the inside. They have a faith that's so grounded that whenever you're with them, their faith encourages you. You don't want to dismiss those people. They can look like on the outside, they're the wrong people. But they're the kind of people that don't compromise their faith. They will even check you on your faith. My brother, it sounds like you trying to compromise them. Oh, they, they, no, they're not, they're not pastor so-and-so. They're not CEO so-and-so. They're not Mr. and Mrs. They're not in front of the camera. They're not making all this kind of money, but doggone it, they have a wealth on the inside. That you make sure you want to consider those people because you don't necessarily want to let them go. No matter the circumstance, they stay there believing. When you have people in your circle and they have faith, give them a good look. Recall, these are letters to churches. I picked them because there were letters to churches. So there could be a lot of right. But what's the wrong? For people like this, mm, the wrong needs to be pretty wrong. Because they have a wealth inside of them that you can draw from. Next letter. This is the letter to Pergamum. Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. Write this letter to Pergamum to the angel of the church. The one with the sharp biting sword draws from the sheath of his mouth. Out come the sword words. I see where you live right under the shadow of Satan's throne. But you continue boldly in my name. You never once denied my name, even when the pressure was worst. When they martyred Antipas, my witness, who stayed faithful to me on Satan's turf. Everybody say, but. But why do you indulge that Balaam crowd? 
Don't you remember that Balaam was an enemy agent seducing Balak and sabotaging Israel's holy pilgrimage by throwing unholy parties? And why do you put up with the Nicolaitans who do the same thing? Once again, there's some good with these folks. I mean, they continue boldly in, in, in Jesus' name. They don't deny Jesus. They don't deny the gospel. They don't deny their faith. Even when the pressure's on, these people got some good. But they like to entertain the wrong crowd. You got people like this in your circle, potentially. A lot of good. Good Christian folk. but they kind of entertain the wrong crowd. I'm talking about not your crowd, but the crowd that they hang out with when they're not with you is the wrong crowd. And because they hang out with the wrong crowd, what they do is they pick up characteristics and words and thoughts and ideas from the wrong crowd, and here they come, Moran, they come up with, with you and your crowd, and you don't think it's happening, but what they are doing is dispensing their outside wrong crowd traits into your circle. I mean, they confess Jesus, but they indulge in a crowd that is far from the gospel that you're the disciple that you're a disciple of. When you have people in your circle who tinker with other circles, you need to be mindful regarding whether or not what they are tinkering with or who doesn't work its way back into your circle. And if it's working your, its way back into your circle, you need to check it. And if you were to keep reading, if we were to keep reading below these verses, once again, Jesus is like, turn back. We're talking opportunity. You, you don't, it don't have to be this way. You can still stay in the circle, but we cannot continue to have you in the circle. When I let you in the circle with your bad crowd influence, I don't just let you around me. You around my wife. You around my children. You around my mama. You around my best friend I didn't have for 20 years. You around their family. You around nature. A little leaven can spoil the lump. And it just takes one seed, especially a seed into, I'm not just pointing out young people only, but one seed into the mind or heart of a young person, and now we got something to deal with. You decide. We're going to get it right because I am well on my way to moving your candle at the golden circle. It's not, to be clear, 
It's not that the people in your circle can't have other friends. Let, let, let me, in case somebody went way over here. Right. <laughs> let, me, let me just say that. What I'm talking about is the influences that they are yoking themselves up with that try to work their way in. And if you see the influence, check them. It's okay to check. You know, hockey stick, check them. Bump them. Bro, what's up with you? My son, girl, what's up with you? What's, what's this coming from? I'll tell you a quick, a quick story. One time, it's, 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 about, it's about Greta. It's nothing bad. It's, it's about Greta. <laughs> but one time, Greta, you know, she was in the house and she was, she was talking, and she had started having, you know, conversation. You know, sometimes you... you you meet somebody or you hadn't talked to somebody in a long time. And so she was having like frequent conversations and they were laughing and everything and just, oh, honey, child, girl, yeah, they have all the kind of stuff. And, and one day I heard her say something and I said, hmm, I said, that don't sound like, in my head, that don't sound like Greta. It just, it just, it, it just, it just don't. It wasn't bad, but it was, it was unsmith-like. <laughs> it's not how we talk. And so I gave it some time to see, well, maybe it was just, just a one-off. But it wasn't a one-off. And so when the time was right, married 30 years, I know when the time was right. right. I ain't just go up and ask. Okay? When the time was right, I said, hey, Greta, I, wanna, I want you to notice have you noticed that you started to say da-da-da? And to her credit, what she said was, really? I never noticed that. She said, I will check that. And now that she knows and she was checking, she can also check the influence. What am, I, what am I trying to say? The outside influence that's influencing the person that's in the circle, that's potentially putting an influence in the circle, we're not saying that's an automatic kick out. But we don't want you to arbitrarily think that it's having no influence. It's having an influence. The only way it has no influence is if they don't even mention anything that's going on or they're doing or keeping it somehow completely outside. But it's hard for a person to not be who they are. If you got somebody that's trickling in some bad crowd stuff into your circle, check them. Next one. This is the letter to Thyatira. Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 23 in the Message Bible. Write this to Thyatira, to the angel of the church, God's son, eyes pouring fire blaze, 
standing on, on feet of furnace fire bronze, Jeez, says this. I see everything you're doing for me. Impressive. The love and the faith, the service and persistence, yes, very impressive. You get better at it every day, but why do you let that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet mislead my dear service into cross-denying, self-indulging religion? I gave her a chance. Look at God. I gave her a chance. Once again, casting out the idea, casting out the thought. We don't just kick people out. We give them a chance. But they don't got all day. What did he say? I gave her a chance to change her ways. But that girl ain't got no intention of giving up what she's doing. I gave her a chance to change her ways, but she has no intention of giving up a career in the God business. I'm about to lay her low along with her partners as they play their sex and religion games. The bastard offspring of their idol whoring I'll kill that God ain't playing. Then every church will know that appearances don't impress me. Pause there. In your circle, appearances shouldn't impress you. We already said in one of our, in one of our criteria, you don't look for charisma. You look for character. If you gonna be in the circle, you got to be genuine. Fake and phony does not hunt in the circle. I need you to be real. I need to know that I'm really talking to the real person. I don't need you up in the circle playing a role because if you play a role for me, when I need you and I'm counting on you to be who you've been playing the role of, that might not be you. It goes on. Then every church will know that appearances don't impress me. I x-ray every motive and make sure you get what's coming to you. What did we say about your circle? Don't just look at people and bypass them as auntie, a cousin, or a friend you've known. Hey, your pastor, your, your choir director. X-ray them. Know who they really are. Sift them. Are they genuine? Are they real? Are they fake? Are they phony? Sift them. I x-ray every motive and make sure you get what's coming to you. Now, relationally speaking, once again, here are some people with a lot of impressive stuff. Look at all the stuff they be doing for God and stuff. They doing stuff for them. And, and Jesus is like, impressive. I mean, he has to give them their problems. Like, y'all doing the doggone thing. Impressive. They got love and faith. The, the service, they serving. They serving in the church. They serving the community. They always serving. They persistent. They don't give up. They don't quit. They've got a lot of good qualities. Oh, please, please, say it for me. But. but. 
I got to tell your butt about your butt. Your butt. Why do you let that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, and we stop here at mislead? There are people in your circle potentially like this. Oh, they're churchy. But realize Jezebel here is not as much about a male or a female figure as much as it's about someone dispensing philosophies and beliefs. You got people like this potentially in your circle and they wrapped up in the cloak of doing stuff for God and being faithful and loving and serving and, and, and persistent, but they always got an ear out to some other philosophy. Not the gospel that you believe, but some other latest and greatest word. And it's not that they're, that they're going from, you know, tinkering outside the gospel in Scientology or, or Buddhism or, or, or any other kind of, kind of religion. That's not necessarily it. They could be people that are chasers of the next big word from God. Running from conference to conference. Looking for the deep things of God. I see what you're doing, but look at what God doing over here. Listen to what God said. See, you just, you, you don't, you just not in tune with the spirit. God is talking in all kind of ways, in all kind of dimensions, my brother. You got to get your ill to what God is saying. Be wary of this Jezebel misleading you. It's not necessarily, in this case, it's not the gospel. But it's not necessarily that it's not biblical, but it could be misleading you away from the true foundations of Scripture. Don't just give an ear to that Jezebel. There could be people in your circle that's always talking to you about the latest and greatest word, the latest and greatest thing, some other kind of belief some other kind of philosophy, some other proverb they, were, they learned somewhere, something that has nothing to do with the, the, the black and white gospel that you have been given. Look out for these kind of people. Everything that they say is not necessarily something that leads you to where God wants you to be. I do want to highlight something, and it has to do with online content. Once again, realizing that Jezebel's not male or female here. It, it, I mean, he's, the, the wording is she, but in concept, it's anybody that misleads. And online content has a lot of Jezebel's family. You don't think that you got somebody in your circle virtually 
but a lot of you got some virtual people in your circle. That channel you tune into all the time, oh, that person in your circle. They don't even know you. You don't even know them, but they in your circle. That series that you got to stream because you like it, they are dumping philosophies and beliefs in you. You don't believe it? Listen closely next time. I've actually, because I'm a grandpa, and I got my own, I did it when I had my children, but as a grandpa, I sit there and I watch what my grandchildren watch, and I hear adult content in cartoons that they don't hear. They are pumping beliefs. They are pumping, they are changing their minds, and I'm like, mmm. You thought I didn't, you thought I wouldn't hear that, but I'm not just, my baby ain't just here, I'm here. And what you just did there was you put in a belief. There are people that you are allowing to feed beliefs and philosophies in you and their people are in your circle through the palm of your hand. And they pour in, and they pour in, and they pour in. And you don't think so, but you begin to act on that stuff. It begins to change your belief. And it's so sneaky because it's going into your subconscious, and you don't realize it, but once in a while, if somebody's the right person in your life, they'll see you and start at something different. That, where you get that from? And you, you don't know, but you didn't got it from Hulu. You know what pains me? It pains me when I see somebody who has a, a bad relational experience from someone that they found on the Internet. And they sit there and they try to justify. They try to write off their response. Oh, that's the best better way to say it. They try to write off their responsibility for the pain they're feeling by saying, well, they didn't act like that before. You only seen them on the screen. Well, their profile said, be quiet. You can write anything in a profile. Isn't that the whole point of catfishing? How many people have you seen watching the shows that they, he's supposed to be six foot nine, muscle bound, cocoa brown skin and show up it's a short China man that weigh about 350 pounds it's online content what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to share is we talked about taking that coin and flipping it into the criteria but when what you're being given is virtual content the criteria is going to say right person but you don't have the real content it's the content they've given you because they want to paint a picture to get you in a position where they want you. It's, 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 you need to beware that we're not just talking about philosophies coming from your, your buddy that's next to you or the person that you see all the time at work or whatever your circle is but your circle that streams through your devices. They're dumping in philosophies. And those philosophies, hey, 
get you playing all kind of games. Get you, this is the word on the screen, get you to be idle whoring around. If you got people in your circle that's pouring into you different philosophies and beliefs, check them. Now, look, I give you a chance to change your ways, but once again, it's a chance. It's a chance to change. It's not a chance to stay in the circle and keep doing what you're doing. And do not walk past the people in your circle that you can turn off with your finger. Those are the easiest people to turn off, practically speaking. But they got you hooked, don't they? You want to know how you're hooked? I'll show you how, where my, where my phone at? I'll show you, I'll use my wife's phone. Let me show you, let me show you how you're hooked. I ain't going to get on the ground, but. When you wake up in the morning, when you do this, the first thing you do, you don't thank God, you don't, you don't see if the house on fire, you don't do none of that. The first thing you do is your eyes still got that sleep crust in them, and you, you feeling, you feeling for, your, for your phone, and in the dark, there's a beam of light in your face. You hooked. You hooked. If you can't sit down and enjoy a meal with your family without your phone being at the table, Joker, you hooked. Don't you say you're not, you are, you are, you lying to yourself, you are. You can't go to the movies. You done paid money to get in the movies without putting that light on your face. It's just, at the longest, it's two and a half hours. Maybe three if it's some kind of Lord of the Rings or some kind of trilogy or something. but you're hooked on that Jezebel, that philosophy. You putting yourself and your children in the back in danger in the car because you driving 70 miles per hour down the road looking at your phone. Your circle is real and it's virtual and the virtual at times, has a more real effect than the real. Next letter. Check them. Letter to Sardis. We're now in Revelation 3, verses 1 through 3, Message Bible. Write this to Sardis, to the angel of the church, the one holding seven spirits of God in one hand. A firm grip on the seven stars with the other speaks. I see right through your work. You have a reputation for vigor and zest, but you're dead, stone inside. Up on your feet, take a deep breath. Maybe there's life in you yet, leaning towards a chance. But I wouldn't know it by looking at your busy work. Nothing of God's work has been completed. Your condition is desperate. There are sometimes there are people in your circle that you want them to get it right, and you need to communicate your condition is desperate. 
Yo, if this was a sand timer, your, your grains of sand is getting slim. Your condition is desperate. Think of the gift you once had in your hands, the message you heard with your ears. Grasp it again and turn back to God. You don't have all day. Is there anything in you that could cause you to look back on what you had? What's in your hands right now? What you have an opportunity to be a part of? Is there anything that you can grasp to allow your heart to want to turn back again to be in the circle? Grasp it again and turn back to God. If you pull, if you pull the covers back over your head and sleep on, oblivious to God, I'll return when you least expect it, break into your life like a thief in the night. There might be people in your circle like this. People in your circle that show a lot of vigor, a lot of zest, always got something going on, but doggone, it's, it's busy work. It ain't got nothing to do with God. They just busy. Too busy to go to church. Too busy to pray. Too busy to try to feed the homeless. Too busy to try to look after the widow. Too busy, too busy. Just, just busy, 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 busy. Too busy. And they aren't focused at all on anything to do with God's work. Keep your eye on these folks in your circle. Because by their sheer nature, a person that's into busy work will, by default, try to impress on you busy work that pulls you away from what God wants you to do. Point blank, they assign you busy work. And they get you so busy that all of a sudden, now you missing your commitments to God. You, you, you all of a sudden, you used to volunteer over at the, 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 lo the local YMCA and they could count on you every third, third, third Thursday and first Monday and now you having to tell them, I, I, can't, I can't come. Throwing them off, why? Because your, your, your busy work friend got you somewhere in the outlet mall doing busy work. This, they will get you involved in their busyness and none of that business, busyness is benefiting you. It's not benefiting what God wants you to do. It's just burning up your time, burning up your resources, pulling you away from what God wants you to do. They are oblivious to it, though. It's just who they are. They don't see it as a problem. They don't see it as an issue. The real hard, cold reality to that is you got to stop doing the busy work, first of all. It's okay to tell people no. It's okay to tell people that's not for me. 
if they want to be busy, they can be busy, but not so busy that you let them pull you away from what God wants you to do. And if that busy influence is something that you yourself can't control and check, you need to put some distance in that. I mean, they got zeal and vigor, but mm, just busy work. Letter six. This is the letter to Philadelphia. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 through 8. Write this to Philadelphia, to the angel of the church, the holy, the true, David's key in hand, opening doors no one can lock, unlocking doors no one can open, speaks. I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength. I know that. You, you used what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times were rough. These are folks who, like Smyrna, have faith. They're not denying God under any circumstance. You can see that the introduction is quite nice. The important part here is that these people are standing before an open door. The faith that they've lived have put them in a position of what I'm going to call blessing. Just like the Smyrna group, these people can be encouraging to you. These people can be people that give you that extra that you need to keep going because they are Evidence that an open door exists, that faithfulness pays off, that God is still there. People like this that I'm going to say live under an open window. This says stands before an open door. Consider keeping these people. They can be a source of encouragement. Once again, letters to the churches, so everything about them might not be sparkling, but unless the wrong is a big wrong, I don't know. I like having people in my circle that I can look at and see that they're standing in front of an open door, that God is blessing. Get this. I am not, that doesn't put me in a position, what's, what's the right word? to be, to feel bad about myself or to, to envy, whatever the right word is, it, it, it just says, thank you, Lord. Amen. Keep blessing them. Keep growing them. Yes. Keep expanding them. Yes. Guess what? They're in your circle. Yes. <laughs> They're in your circle. It can be worse things than to have a person in your circle that's worth a billion dollars. It can be, it, you can have worse so grow them, Lord. Expand them, Lord. Keep doing it for them, Lord. Keep that door in front of them. Keep it open. Keep it wide. People like this in your circle, keep them, keep them in there. They got faith, and the faith has put them before an open door. 
letter seven. Laodicea, Revelation chapter three, verses 14 through 17 in the Message Bible. Write this to Laodicea, to the angel of the church, God's yes, the faithful and accurate witness, the first of God's creation says, <laughs> I know you inside out. And I find little to my liking. Let's pause there. We have never heard this kind of letter before. These are people that you throw up all their criteria and little comes back to like. I'm talking, they are a solid, the way they're acting right now, wrong people. I find little to my liking. <laughs> you're not cold, you're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You brag, I'm rich, I've got it made. I need nothing from anyone. Oblivious that in fact you're a pitiful, blind beggar. Threadbare and homeless. Let's just walk through this real quick. You can have people in your circle that, quite frankly, if you're paying attention and you really are doing your right examining, <laughs> there's really not much to like. Maybe just known them for a long time. But there's not much to like. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt. When you look at them, here in the Message Bible, it says stale, it says stagnant. But I want you to know stale and stagnant does not mean inactivity. Oh, they're active, just not active concerning anything about God. They are in a position to where they feel as if they are self sufficient or sufficient in self-sufficiency. Hey, I'm rich. I got everything I need. I don't need nothing from no one. No one includes God. I don't need God. I got everything I need. They are oblivious to the fact that the very God that they deny is the very God they need. I don't need nothing from no one. Notably, you see how verse 15 reads here in the Message Bible? I know you inside and out, and I find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant, right? It says, you make me want to vomit. What God says. In the NIV Bible, look at it. It says, verse 15 through 16, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, say lukewarm. lukewarm. 
Mm, that's a good word there. Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm. The Message Bible says, you know, you're neither hot nor cold. Call you stagnant. But the NIV, and I think the King James also says lukewarm. Lukewarm is an interesting term. Let's talk about it for a second. Because if you look up at the Message Bible, it says you're neither hot nor cold. The NIV, you're neither hot nor cold. There's a lot of conversation about what that means. I'm going to give you the two most prevalent ones. And they both get you to the same answer. But let me share. There is a condition where when Jesus says, I wish you were either hot or cold, where you can look at both of those as a positive. If you have hot water, you can make tea. If you got cold water, you can be refreshed. If you have, you know, not super hot, but if you have hot water, you can, you can soak aching muscles. Cold water, you can also recover. Ice, ice baths. So there is, I wish you were useful to me in some way, but you're not. That's one way. Here's the other hot and cold. I wish you were hot, positive, or cold, negative. I wish you were hot, meaning on fire for me. A person I can call on and know you're going to do exactly what I want you to do. A person that is for me no matter what's going on. I wish you were hot for me. Or I wish you were cold. I wish that you were in a position that was so far away from me that after life didn't beat on you for a while, you noticed that it's not good to be out here in the cold without me. And turn back to me. That latter one is the one that, in my opinion, fits better with, if we were to read beyond this, Jesus says, hey, paraphrasing, I don't know what you're doing, but turn back. Now, here's what the Bible says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and I will sup with them. In other words, I'm giving you a chance. I'm giving you an opportunity. Stop being lukewarm. Why is lukewarm something to be aware of? Here's why. Family, if you put lukewarm in hot, hot becomes closer to lukewarm. Lukewarm don't make hot hotter. Lukewarm cools down hot. If you put lukewarm in cold, it don't make it colder. Lukewarm and cold makes it warmer or less cold. That's the better way to put it. Think about our two scenarios. If hot and cold are positives, the person or persons that are in your circle, when they put lukewarm 
into your passion, are they dragging you to lukewarm? Are they taking you from being on fire to God for God and dragging you into being, ah, churches, I can go every now and then. Ah, I, can, I can read my Bible every now and then. Ah, I can pray every now and then. Ah, I don't have to get at them people. I don't know them. Ah, are they dragging you from passion to lukewarm? What about useful coal? Are you useful to God in some way, but when the lukewarm gets involved in you, it drags you from that beneficial coal to, yeah, I'm a lukewarm. Now you're not benefiting God anyway. What about the positive, negative, hot and cold? Same thing. Are you passionate for God, but they're dragging you back to lukewarm? And then what I think is the most dangerous one. Do you believe finally that you need God in your life? I mean, hot, you're already committed. In the positive, hot and cold, you're benefiting God. God, you're in my life. But what about that person who has finally gotten to that place where I think I need God? And then somebody in that circle, you don't really need God. I think you're okay. I think you don't need, does it take all that? Ooh, that's the phrase. It don't take all that. Dragging them from a position where mentally, emotionally, spiritually, they finally decided, I want God in my life. No, you don't. Come on, lukewarm. And they go on living like they're living. Do you have lukewarm people in your circle? Because lukewarm is dangerous. Lukewarm is that bucket of water on your fire. Lukewarm is dangerous, family. Be careful. We have talked through these seven letters to the churches relationally. Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. What I urge you to do on your own time, read them. Start at chapter 1, though, where Jesus finally says, hey, man, I'm Jesus. I'm the man. I want you to write these letters. Read, start from there and read it. You will get a broader context, but don't forget the relational context that we've, that we've given you. Now, as we close, I want you to hear me on this one little point. We've said that, listen, you want to give people a chance. That's your option. But they ain't got all day. Recall, I think a week ago, I said to you that one right instance does not make the wrong people the right people. Remember I said that? I want you to know that that statement works both ways. Here. Keep that right there. Keep it right there. When I say that statement works both ways, 
I want to bring you into a point to where, a place where you really know you got to make some decision. We've taught it, we've taught it, we've taught it, we've taught it. You got to make some decision. The recurring themes that you're going to find when you go back and read them, if you're going to be in the circle, you got to act right. You got to act right. You got to be right. You can't just be in there, just be any kind of way. And guess what? I'm not past the thought or the idea of giving you the opportunity to get some act right so you can get it right. I'm not past that. But there is a time limit on it. And if that time limit, whatever it is, only you can decide that, whatever that time limit is, if you don't get your act right to get right by that time, I got to remove you from the circle. Now, removing you from the circle doesn't necessarily mean I never have anything to do with you. You are just not, you are no longer in a position of influence. A lot of that's what happened with family. Listen, I got cousins, I know them. And I love, the, I love them, we grew up playing together, I love them. Oh, I love my cousins. But them cousins can't be in my circle. Them some trifling, them rascals, they rough. And they don't care about going to jail, they don't care about shooting, they don't care about taking drugs, they don't care about none of that. They don't care nothing about my future. I love you. I, listen, we can, when we get together, we can dap, a hug, we play some dominoes, some spades, some barbecue, all that. But when it comes time to do our separate things, I can't go with you. I can't have you around my family. I can't, not my friend. No, you can't come. No, you can't come. Yo, I'm your, I'm your blood. You are your blood. And you're my spilling blood. So I can't, you can't, you can't be with me. You got to learn to get your no up. No, you can't come with me. It's, and, and they got, and you do your best to get them to understand. It's not that I do not like you. I do not love you. I know you're my blood, but you are living a different life than I. You and me, we, we, we public setting kind of folk. You know what I mean? We, we meet at Chili's. You know? We public, we public set. You don't, we, you don't eat at the, you don't eat at the house. I, I mean, I've had relatives that if they eat at the house, they going to leave with more than they came with. Oh, yeah. You, you didn't misplace your watch. <laughs> your watch gone. It left. You didn't lose it. It left. Exactly. That watch left. And, and, and when you read this on your own, you will find that embedded in these letters, where the churches got their hands slapped, not everybody all the time was bad. It'll go on to say, but there are some of you that are doing what you're supposed to be doing. The idea is you can't group people in a collective. You have to be diligent enough to look at person by person. Because just because people are with people doesn't mean that they're like those people. 
you, you, got, you got to be willing to pluck and pick, right? When you go through and read, I want you to keep this image in mind. Next image. We already said what's on the right. One instance of right does not necessarily make the wrong people the right people. But that statement, family, works both ways. One instance of wrong does not necessarily make the right people the wrong people. It works both ways. People make mistakes. People do things. But once again, you have the criteria. You have to judge. Not all actions are equal. What do I mean? Your final image for today. The statements work both ways, but just like God, Jesus in the letters, he throw in some but, but. You don't have forever to get yourself right. If you are the right people that committed a wrong action, what, 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 did, what you did? All actions aren't equal. You can be the right people and do something that from just a personal relationship perspective, it can be close to unforgivable. You could do that. So what you, what you did, you don't have, listen, you don't have infinite amount of calendar days. You only have an infinite amount of time. You ain't got years. You know, winter, spring, summertime, winter, spring, summer, fall, and, and it's 2023, and then it's 2040, and, and you still, hey, you ain't got all day. Get your together. Get it together. Or I am well on the way to removing your light from the circle. I mean, what you did. What's your criteria waiting? Because in Revelation, some people had a lot going on that was good, but just this one thing, what's the one thing? And we're looking for real change and consistency. Don't you dare let somebody spew off in your ear that they gonna change and you not be diligent enough and adult enough to sit back and look for the change. Anybody can talk change. Anybody can say they change. Well, well, but baby, I've changed. Okay. We finna watch and find out how much change you've done. My, 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 my honey, baby, I've changed. Okay. We, gonna, we want to see some real change, some consistency in that change. And it is right for you to look for it. Because you hear somebody say they're changed, you let them in the circle, back in the circle too quick, and you end up with, hey, when an evil spirit gets kicked out of a place, it wanders around, and it can't find nowhere else to be, it comes back and says, huh, this place is nice. I like the way you cleaned it up. And they return with seven spirits worse than the first. 
once you've told somebody, you put them on notice that they have a possibility to be out of the circle, if they got the boldness to lie to you to your face and come back in the circle, oh, it's harder to get them out. Once they know you've already let them back in. Those are the seven letters to the churches relationally. Whatever God, when you heard it, whatever God checked in your box, raised in your mind, hey, take note of this, I pray you got that. Next time we together, we talking divorce. Mm. Can't wait to talk about that one. I'm going to start praying. Because there's nothing else for me to say. God, I thank you that we are people who are willing to do the work necessary to make sure that the circle that we have around us, our personal network, our people, to the best of our ability, are the right people. We're not shy in checking wrong actions, checking wrong words, checking the wrong spirit. We're not automatically kicking people out of the circle, God. We, we, depending on the scenario, we can, we can give them time, but... There's no time to waste. They need to turn back. They need to, to look at what they're walking away from, what they're leaving. We don't just accept any kind of philosophy. We don't just accept any old thing in our circle. That circle affects more than us. It affects every other life in our circle. Give us the wisdom to decide when is the right time to make that move? We do not dismiss our criteria. We do not look at people for who we want them to be and look past who they really are. And keep us, God, with a clear eye on the people who are influencing us, both the people that are in our real life standing right next to us state and the ones that we stream. We love you, God. And we pray that the decisions that we make are decisions that we made listening to you. One thing that just popped into my, into my spirit family is this. Because once again, I know as believers, we, we're always tied to grace and forgiveness and things like that. Once again, we're not just dismissing people. But at the, on the same token, I want you to just reflect on 
when God shared with Moses that he wasn't able to go in the promised land because God told him to speak to the rock and he hit the rock. That's an Old Testament example of God not throwing Moses away, but because of Moses' actions, they were just certain things that Moses, God was not going to let Moses do. You can, you can see that. At one point in time for David, God says, you can't build my temple. You got too much blood on your, got too much blood on your hands. I'm really asking you to just, in your spirit, examine your circle. And if you find things that just do not fit, you have to address them. We don't just throw away long-term relationships, but if it's not a good one, you have to address it. You have to address it and move forward. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.